Praise the Lord, everybody. Truly, this is a good day to be alive. You might be wondering to yourself why I'm saying that or why I believe that. Because this is the day the Lord has made. And we shall rejoice and be glad in it. So I am glad to be alive today. A new day. A new opportunity God has graced us with to get over the mistakes of our past and to become who he has created us to become. I'm just thankful to the Lord for yet another opportunity to do it right. Not by the power of self, but by his grace and mercy through the indwelling presence of Christ in me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just thank the Lord. I salute each and every one of you that's joined with us here uh, via te technology. I thank the Lord for each and every one of you for taking the time out of your Sunday morning to just spend a little bit of time with us. I salute the churches in uh, Kenya that have come alongside us, uh, Bishop Agoa and Pastor Majero. Uh, I, I thank the Lord for them. You know, every Sunday I make a plea that uh, if you can, and you would be so kind as to share with us uh, financial support of these uh, ministries in Africa, this Sunday is no different. I'm pleading their cause. I'm standing in the gap and I'm asking you to open your heart and your mind to, to God's direction and only do as the Lord inspires you to do. Please, if you can and will, uh, later on during the broadcast, you'll see a way to donate to this ministry. And I'm asking you, please, if you would like to donate to help us support those churches, please send and just earmark that money, Churches in Africa. And we will send 100% of those proceeds there to be a blessing to them, to help them build the house of God, a place of uh, worship, to help them uh, purchase the equipment necessary that they might continue to spread the word of truth in that, that great nation. Again, I thank you in advance. I thank you in advance for your kindness, your graciousness, and that financial support. We are just thankful to the Lord for every opportunity that he has given us to be a blessing around the world, for the opportunity to sow into his work being spread across this globe. Truly, we believe that the signs are plenteous, that we are in the end times, that this is the last days, and that God is soon to come, and that there's coming a time, a troubling period, that'll be worse than anything we've ever seen. And the only ones that will escape this time to come, this period of tribulation in the earth, are those who today, while the grace of God is abundant, makes a conscious decision to give their life over to him, to believe on his son, so that when he cracks the sky and the trumpet sounds, and the dead in Christ rise first, and we that are yet alive meet them in the air, that you would be counted in that number to escape the torment that is to come. So I encourage you, listen to the things that God is saying. Listen to the previous sermons. Take some time and review the previous sermons that I've been putting out here lately, talking about the building of God. 
and how we are, as the children of God, his building. Today is no different. Today I'll be talking to you more about the tabernacle and how we are the material of the house of God. We are the very dwelling place of God. God does what he does in and through us. Now, there are many more things that I'd like to share with you about the spirit and the soul, but for now, I'm redirected of God in a sense to shift gears a little bit and focus our attention on the building of God's dwelling place. Now, I've spent a lot of time over the past few weeks talking about the tabernacle. Uh, This is the place of God's dwelling as indicated in the Old Testament. Uh, They built the tabernacle And we're going to talk more about that. I've shown you how it was composed of an outer court and the two parts of the tent of the tabernacle, the holy place and the holy of holies. As a matter of fact, if you would be so kind, please show tabernacle one. I want you to take a moment and just look at this picture of the tabernacle. I'm a visual learner, and I know that sometimes putting words into pictures is a little bit easier for us to understand. So you'll see before you a depiction of the entirety of the tabernacle, what was built. You'll see the outer court. You'll see the depiction of the uh, inner court which comprises the holy place and the holy of holies. And I want to briefly just kind of recap the contents of these three places that you can see in the picture that's being displayed. If we could switch to Tabernacle 2. You can see in this focus the outer court. And in the outer court, there were the altar. And this typifies the cross of Christ. Then there was the laver, which typifies the place of cleansing or the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. So in essence... The entry point, as you can see in the picture, there is a tent opening, and that tent opening is the entry point, and when you come into the tabernacle, you have to pass through the process of the sacrifice or the cross and the cleansing or the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Ghost. This is the process to enter the tabernacle. If you would switch to tabernacle three. And as you can see in the depiction here, this is the holy place. And what's contained in the, t- in the holy place is the table of the bread of the presence, the table of showbread, and then there's the lampstand and the incense altar. Now these three items are types or symbolic of the various aspects of the work of Christ as our life. The table of the bread of the presence reveals Christ as our daily supply. He is our bread of life. The lampstand typifies Christ as the light of life. And the supply of life that we enjoy becomes the light, which then shines within us. Next is the incense that uh, incense altar, which typifies the resurrection savor of Christ or the going up into the nostrils of God of us if you would move to tabernacle four you can see in this depiction before your very eyes the holy of holies contains only one thing 
and that is the ark. And the ark is symbolic of Christ himself. Now, there were three things that were within the ark, inside of the ark itself. And it's referred to in scripture as the hidden manna, which is uh, the inner life and uh, the inner supply for life. The hidden law, which is the uh, in, inner enlightening that is alive within us. Then there was the hidden rod with sprouted buds, Aaron's rod, which is the uh, inner resurrection power and authority. And then there was the hidden uh, bowl of manna. This refers to the hidden law and the hidden authority. And all are in the power of resurrection and are much deeper than just these three corresponding items that are in the holy place as detailed. If you would switch to Tabernacle 5, you'll see in this depiction what our ultimate goal I want to get you to a place where you can begin to understand why God took time to show us in detail for us in scripture the tabernacle. Our ultimate goal is the showing you uh, or in showing you the tabernacle is that it was built uh, so that you would declare and understand when you declare that we are the church or we are the dwelling place of God if, if you go to any church today you ask them you know who is the church we've been taught and we we've come to the understanding to respond we are the church but what does that mean it means that we are the place that God dwells we are the dwelling place of God but what does that mean how does that work well so that we might have a better understanding of how you are built and in what parts and in those parts what it is that is occurring or has occurred within you the ultimate goal is this depiction that lays before you. You'll kind of see the breakdown of the tabernacle in heaven, the tabernacle as it existed in the Old Testament in the earth, and the ultimate tabernacle, how it is built within you. The idea is that there's an outer court, there's an inner court, and there's a holy of holies. And we've got to understand in and where God is working, in and where our struggle is. Now, all these things were the, uh, you know, kind of in the, 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 they were the contents of the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. The experiences of all eight of the items in the outer court, the holy place and the holy of holies are the real content of the true building of God, which is the church. And if we desire to be the building of God's dwelling place, we must experience what Christ has accomplished by his cross and the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. We must also adequately experience Christ as our life, as our light, and as the power of resurrection in us. But besides that, we must have a real experience of Christ himself as the hidden manna, the hidden law, and the hidden authority. The experience of Christ in all these aspects forms the real content of the building of God and provides the very material for the building itself. I am the material of the building of God. I am the material of the tabernacle of God. In these last few years, people have been talking much about the New Testament church 
But the New Testament church is not a church of a certain pattern, but one of life and of experiences of Christ. You see, you've heard me say this before. Jesus didn't come to reestablish or to establish religion, but he came to restore relationship. Well, if you understand relationship, relationship is all about experience. Relationship is not something that's written. It is something that is experienced. It is not something that we just read. It is something that we do. Now, suppose that we would say, let us make a pattern of a man. So we would make an arm out of wax, a head out of marble, a torso with wood, and the legs and the feet with some form of clay. And once these items are all put together in the exact size and shape and are painted in the exact color, we may have the true pattern or that which looks like a man, but we do not have the reality or the experience of a man. A man, a real man, is not manufactured according to a pattern, but a real man is born and matured by the experience of life. The experience of life grows the man in relationship to life itself. You see, a man is first born of a living mother and then grows by receiving daily nourishment. And ultimately, that man will become a man with a certain pattern. And if this, uh, you know, the otherwise, there may be a pattern, but not truly a man. You'll just have what looks like a man, but at its core is not. Now, that pattern comes out of his birth and growth in life and his experience or relationship with life. And just as we could not form your child, so neither can we form a New Testament church. If we try to form it, all that we have is what looks like or what has the pattern but has no life or it becomes a church without power. It is possible for us to form a church with a pattern, but we cannot form a church that is filled with life. That can only be experienced by the indwelling presence and power of God at function in that place. Now, during the last few years, I've been continually urging people and pleading with people, do not form anything. Whatever we form is not the real church. Not one living person on this earth through the past 6,000 years has been formed. Every uh, person, everyone has a birth and the growth of life. The church is the body of Christ and no human can form it. We can form many things, but we cannot form a living body composed of living members. We are never commanded or instructed in the New Testament to form the church but we are exhorted to experience Christ, to minister Christ to others, and to bring forth many children through spiritual birth. The real church, the body of Christ, only comes out of birth and the growth of life or the relationship in life. This is why we stress the principle that the tabernacle comes out of the experiences with the contents that are found therein. The real church comes out of the experience of the contents that's found within you. Now you'll notice uh, if you look at that um, first tabernacle picture, if you remember when we displayed it, 
Matter of fact, if you could just throw that first tabernacle back up there for us, you'll see that there is a separation of the outer court from the holy place, and there's a separation of the holy place from the holy of holies. Now, based on this principle, let us see what the main materials of the tabernacle were. First of all, there was the separation of the outer court. Uh, Exodus 27, 9 through 19, 38, uh, 9 through 20 will kind of give you an understanding of what this is all about. And it's called the separation because it was like the fence that was surrounding a property. So you'll look at the outer, uh, the outer design of the tabernacle. And I want you to focus on that, that fencing that's kind of built. See, it surrounds the property. It separated it, keeping it from everything that was outside of it. So the purpose of the outer court was a separation from that which was outside the outer court. The separation of the outer court was made of three uh, main things. The bronze sockets, the bronze pillars, and the hangings that were made of fine twined linen. And the base of the separation walls was made of the sockets of bronze. There were 20 sockets on the north side, another 20 on the south side, 10 on the west side at the rear, and 10 at the front. Altogether, there were 60 sockets of bronze. On each of these sockets stood a pillar, all of which were constructed or connected and united with the connecting rods. The hangings on the pillars were made of fine linen twined together with two threads. Therefore, the three main things were the bronze sockets, the bronze pillars, and the fine twined linen hangings. Now the bronze that formed the base of the separation was the same material as that of the two things that are seen in the outer court, the bronze altar and the bronze laver. Now the spiritual meaning is that the bronze sockets come from the experience of the altar and the laver. Both the altar and the laver were made out of bronze. Therefore, all the sockets of separation were made of bronze. The work of the laver and the work of the uh, altar were to separate you from that which was before to that which is now in Christ. Within the outer court were the bronze altar, the bronze laver, and the bronze sockets. So the immediate impression that people received when they came into the outer court was that the base of the separation was bronze, the same material of which the altar and the laver were made. And this means that the experiences of the cross and the cleansing work of the Holy Ghost are the very base for the separation of the Lord's building. It's necessary for the work of the Lord to go through the cross and have the cleansing work of the Holy Ghost in you to separate you because coming into the tabernacle of God is a separation as you come out of the world. Now we know that the bronze is that, that the, the item bronze is symbolic of God's divine judgment. So all that we have, all that we are, and all that we must do, all that we must be, are put on the altar to be judged. 
The altar or the cross is the first uh, place or, uh, of judgment. God judges everything on the cross. The bronze that's used to overlay the altar, according to Numbers uh, chapter 16, came from the bronze censers of the 250 rebellious people that were found at the mount. Now, when these people who rebelled against God and Moses were judged with fire, God told Moses to pick up all their bronze censers to make a cover for the altar as a memorial. So this was a memorial of God's judgment on the rebellious. Numbers 16 and 38. You can check the text. So in order to realize the building of the church, all that we have, all that we can do, and all that we uh, are needed to be are judged by the cross of Christ. This is the separating base of, so of the sockets for the building of God. Now, I know that some of you are having trouble with how to apply these things to your life, but suppose that I am a brother who was saved in today's Christianity. Through the preaching of the gospel, I heard that I was a sinner and that Christ loved me and that he died on a cross for me. As a result, I admitted that I was a sinner. I prayed, oh God, forgive me for I am sinful. I thank you that you have given your son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I praise your holy name that he is my savior and that my sins are now forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. I have joy and peace now enters within me. Now, of course, I then would go to a pastor who uh, would then become a friend to me and allow me by the grace of God to get baptized, to complete the work. And after being baptized, I would become a member of my friend, the pastor's church. Now, one day, the Lord would open my eyes to see why he saved me. He saved me for the purpose of being built up together with others that are like-minded to become the very dwelling place of God himself. He saved me so that God could live in me. And after hearing a group of believers in my city talk about the body life and the building up of the church, I would be willing to be built up with them in the life or become the body of Jesus. And finally, the Holy Spirit would come upon me. And the, he would ask me this question, have you come to be built upon? Do you come to realize what is the power of the life of the church? Then he would tell me, you must first go to the cross. All that you can do, all that you are, and all that you have must be judged on the cross. I must confess and repent. I must turn from the things that are not like God. I must ask the Lord to take everything from me that is not like him. Lord, nothing of me is acceptable to you. And nothing in me is good enough to become the building for which you would dwell. All has to be judged for your glory. And if I do not follow through with the judgment of the cross, it will become impossible for me to be built upon with others 
Because there is no base upon which to build. There is no foundation. The foundation upon which Christ builds the building of God in me is built upon the work of Jesus at Calvary and the cleansing power of the Holy Ghost that comes upon me through the gift of baptism when I am washed and regenerated. When I come out of the water, I am new. I am a new creation born after God. And if I come into the church proudly, it is, it's, it's possible that I might be organized, but it is impossible for me to be built upon unless I have the foundation of the cross. You see, the foundation, as we see in the sockets of the separation of God's building, comes from the experience of the bronze altar. So the solid foundation of the building of God's dwelling place comes from the experience we enjoy through the power of the cross. There is no other way to be built upon except through the cross. All have to be put on the altar and burned and judged by God. And at the main entrance of the church, there is the cross. And if we are going to enter into the church, we must put ourselves on the altar or on the cross. This is why the Bible tells us to crucify ourselves daily. When our whole being and all our actions have been put on the cross, we can testify how dirty, how worldly, and how sinful we were. We realize that we not only need the redemption work of Christ, but also the cleansing work of the Holy Ghost. One day, according to the, the inner sense of God in us, I felt like jumping into the labor. I prayed, Lord, cleanse me. I am sinful and I am worldly. Every bit of me is dirty. I need the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And by this burden in prayer, I experienced the cross and the labor. At the cross, we put everything of ourselves to death. And at the labor, we put everything under the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this not only makes us pure, but it purges us from all unrighteousness. Then when we will come humbly to the church by the mercy and the grace of God through the power of his redemption work and by the cleansing of his spirit after uh, we experience the altar and the labor and after we are purified from all pride and self-righteousness and have built upon the base or the foundation, the sockets of bronze upon which the pillars are now going to be erected. You can't build a building without something first to support it and then without something that will be its support around its edges. The scripture tells us that the pillars were made of bronze as well. And we are told that the hooks and the connecting rods that fashioned the pillars together and the overlaying of the capitals of the pillars were made of silver. Now silver typifies redemption. So this typifies that uh, for God's building, we are all joined and united together and covered by nothing other than the redemptive work of Jesus. 
What am I covered by? I'm covered by the redemptive work of Jesus. Why am I able to become the building of God? Why do I have a foundation? Because I am covered in the redemptive work of Jesus. If we're going to practice what is the church life, we have to realize that it is by the Lord's redemption that we are now united and under this redemption we are covered so that we may be separated for God. God's building. God will not dwell an unholy thing, but he first separates and then cleanses and builds an, a foundation upon which he can build his work. Amen. Upon the pillars, there were also the hangings of the fine twined linen, giving people the testimony that the church is pure and clean in conduct and clean in behavior. You see, this is the separating line. When the tabernacle was erected with the surrounding separating line, one would be able to see from afar off the white linen that was the demarcation line. That is the, the, the testimony of the church to the world that is in darkness. The whole world is black, but here is something that is erected that's testifying that the church is pure, clean, and white. This is kind of a testimony that can only come from the judgment of the altar, the cleansing of the labor, which results in, the, uh, in a pure behavior and unsullied conduct that exists before the world. Why is the world having a problem today seeing the church? Because the church too often does not look like a place of separation, but it looks like a place that has come alongside darkness. You see, this is the fine twine linen that hangs upon the supporting pillars which are based upon the sockets of bronze. This is the separating line of the testimony that the church is purged from the world. Outside this line, everything is black. But within this line, everything is white. There is a clear and stark difference and separation. But it doesn't stop there. This is good. It's only the experience, though, of the outer court. There were a number of good things in the outer court. Bronze, signifying the judgment of God. Silver, signifying the uh, redemption, uh, the redemptive work of Christ. And the white linen, uh, typifying the... Uh, uh, the stark difference between what was outside of it which was black but there was nothing of gold and gold is symbolic of the divine nature understand that the divine nature is not represented in the outer court well. this means that when we are in the outer court nothing of the divine nature has yet been wrought into us that could be expressed. This is why I told you, uh, I think it was last week or maybe it was a week before, you have to figure out what court you're in. You have to figure out where you are in the tabernacle of God because where you are will determine what you experience. Some of us have never left the cross. And because we've never left the cross, we cannot experience the divine nature and presence of God. 
You see, there, there is only the judging and the purging away of the negative things. In other words, a brother who was proud when he came to us is now very humble and seems to have no self-righteousness, self-glory, and pride. But this is only something in the realm of human conduct. And it's purifying and good. There's nothing of God wrought into him that could be expressed. There is no gold manifested. It is good on the outside, but this is only the outer court, not the building. This is still in the open air with no shelter, no covering, and no building. Remember what I showed you in the beginning. I showed you in the beginning the outer court, and the outer court was uncovered. We need something divine to be mingled with our nature. We need the mingling of the divinity of God with our humanity. Therefore, we must press on from the outer court to the holy place and then even beyond that into the holy of holies. If by the mercy and grace of the Lord we entered into the holy place and the holy of holies, nearly everywhere we would have seen gold. The golden table, the golden lampstand, the golden incense altar, the golden ark, and the golden boards. All the surrounding things were gold. The contents were gold. And every piece of the utensils that were used were gold. What is the meaning of all of this gold? Praise the Lord. The wood of the board signifies humanity, the, hum the, the uh, uh, human nature, and the gold that is overlaying the board signifies the divinity of God or the divine nature of God being pressed over top, overlaid the human nature. Now divinity and humanity have become one. On one hand, it was wood, and on the other hand, it was gold. And within the holy place and the holy of holies divinity is mingled together with humanity that is why we are called the holy place that is why it is called the holy of holies for anything holy must be of God in the outer court we are righteous but we're not holy every aspect of our behavior and our conduct in the outer court is right or righteous because it is judged at the cross and purified at the labor there is righteousness but there is no holiness holiness which is the divine nature being wrought into man not until we enter into the holy place and the holy of holies do we ever see everything becoming overlaid with gold nearly everything every part has the element of wood but it is overlaid with gold humanity is there but it is mingled together with the divine nature and unless we enter into the holy place and the holy of holies and have something divine wrought into us it is impossible for us to be the boards built up together as the dwelling place of God you see the church is built with the mingling of God with man the mingling of God himself with us becomes the very material for the building of the body of Christ no matter how much we have uh, been purified, we can only be 
the white linen. We cannot be the boards for the building of the tabernacle. But the more we are overlaid with gold, the more we become the material for the building of God. This is why we must enter into the spirit, exercise our spirit, walk according to our spirit, and always be mingled together with the Lord in the spirit. It is by this mingling of the divine and human nature that we become the material for the building of the house of God. The boards overlaid with gold in the holy place and the holy of holies were based upon silver sockets, which means that Christ's redemption is the basis and the foundation for the building of God's house. But from where does the gold for the boards come? It comes from the experience or the relationship of the golden tabernacle, the golden table, the golden lampstand, and the golden, uh, golden incense altar and the golden ark. The more that we have a relationship or an experience with Christ as our life, as our light, and as our uh, uh, power of resurrection in us, and the more that we experience himself, Christ himself in the, the most deepest and most intimate way, the more the divine nature will be wrought into us. You see, the gold that overlays the boards comes from the very experience of the contents of the holy place and the holy of holies. The divine nature that is mingled with the human nature only comes from the experience of Jesus as our light, life, and resurrection. And even from the deepest uh, intimate experience of Jesus himself. This forms the material for God's building. You see, we must experience Jesus daily as our manner. We have to experience him as our light. We have to experience him as our resurrection. We have to experience him in an intimate way in order to gain the divine uh, mingling together of his nature with ours. In order to be built upon, there are at least three other things about which we must be clear. First, each board is one and a half cubits wide. I've learned when studying scripture that when God gives detail, he's not just giving it for general knowledge, but he's trying to show us something. You'll see that each board is one and a half cubits wide. So we must realize that we are only one and a half cubits and no more. There were 48 boards in the tabernacle, which were combined in pairs. Each pair of boards then measures three cubits in width. So what is this telling us? The reason why each board was only one and a half cubits wide is that each was only half the full measure and needed to be matched by another board. So we have to realize that we are only half of what is necessary. When the Lord Jesus sent his disciples, he always sent them two by two. Peter needed John and John needed Peter. We are only a half and we need another half to complete us. We should never act or work independently or individually. This is the problem with the church today. There's too much isolation one church from another. We need each other. We have to come together 
together to experience what is the power of God being manifest through the body of Christ into the earth. All of our service and function in the church must be accomplished in a corporate way. God did not call one of us, but he called all of us. Two boards must be put together. We are not a complete whole. We need another half. Who is your other half? We must realize that each one of us is not three cubits, but we're simply one and a half cubits. We cannot go it alone. We cannot serve individually, and we cannot function or work independently. We must be a coordinated member in the building of the body of God. God did not call you to walk by yourself. He called you to walk together in the spirit and power of unity for anything that is united becomes powerful against anything that would attempt to divide it. Furthermore, each board had two tenors, two uh, extra parts stretching into the sockets themselves. Why are uh, uh, why were there two tenor, uh, tenons uh, instead of just one for each board? Well, it's clear one tenon would allow the board to spin around, but two tenons would hold the board firmly in place. Two means confirmation. It is like a person with two feet. If a man stands on one foot, it is easy for him to turn or to fall. But with a, a, a stance of two feet, it's not so easy to fall and it is awkward to turn around. We do not like to have so many turning around believers. In the morning, a brother may be facing one direction and then in the afternoon, he's facing toward another direction. By the next morning, he's turned yet another way. He's always turning around if we do not know where he is we can never catch him he's always spinning around on one tenon and with uh, this type of behavior we find instability he's an unstable brother or sister and there can be no building on that which is unstable the only thing that can be built upon is that which is stable they must become stable no matter what happens they must stand there until death we have to make a decision in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit that until death I will stand for God because when a person is willing to sacrifice his life then the building of the church is possible others are needed to match us in this determination and we need their confirmation continually because we're not called individually we are called corporately in addition to this there were the uh, the bars that over that were overlaid with gold and the gold rings that connected and united all the boards together as one. The rings represent the Holy Spirit. Uh, you see, we receive the Holy Spirit as the rings at the very beginning of our Christian life uh, when we were regenerated. Luke 15 and 22, Genesis 24 and 27. The rings held the bars which also typified 
typify the Holy Spirit, but with the human nature. For within the golden bars was the Achaia wood. And, and as we understand it, the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord, the Holy Spirit came down from heaven with both the divine nature and the human nature. Why do I say this? Because Jesus completed what was necessary and he said it was good that he go that the Holy Spirit might come. The Holy Spirit, the representation of the Godhead, the complete work of God in us. He is now the Spirit of Jesus. It is this wonderful Holy Ghost with both the divine and the human nature who combines and unites us together. All the boards then become as one. Suppose all uh, that all the gold was removed from the boards and the rings and the bars. Then with all the gold stripped away, all the boards would become disconnected. There would be individual pieces. The oneness would not be in the wood. The oneness is only found in the gold. If the gold is taken away, there is no uniting element. And the boards are left as separate and individual pieces. And by this picture, we can clearly see that the unity, the oneness, the building up are not found in the wood but they are found wholly in the gold this means that the building up of the church is not in the human nature it is not in the human it's not in our humanity but it is in the divine nature it is in that which represents God it is in the divine nature that we are all built together it is the divine nature that joins us it is the divine nature that unites us it is the divine nature that holds us together as one when you try to hold yourself or your church together in your human nature you will find yourself failing your human nature cannot hold together the holy things of God but when you've been separated and overlaid with gold overlaid with that which represents the power of God filled with the Holy Ghost you are united and held together by God and God alone somebody ought to say amen somewhere you see we have to learn first of all we are only a half second we must never act independently and individually without the confirmation of others and finally we must act live and serve in the divine nature it is in the divine nature that we as the boards are united together as one then we will have the building of God. Again, it, it, it has to be repeated. My wife tells me sometimes you just got to say stuff over and over and over again before someone gets it. So let me repeat it. All of this comes through the experience of Christ as the bread of the presence, as the lampstand, as the resurrection savior, and as the very ark, including that which was inside the ark, the manna, the rod, and uh, the hidden law. How meaningful this becomes. My prayer is that the Lord would fully and deeply and wholly impress uh, upon us this picture of what is going on in the tabernacle that is represented in the Old Testament and the tabernacle that is now built in the new. This is the right way for us to be built up together as the dwelling place of God. The church is not a matter of a pattern. 
but of the real experience of Christ as our life and our everything. So the only way for the church to be built up in the world today among us is that we experience the Lord Jesus in our spirit, in our life. We experience Jesus like we've never experienced him before. We have relationship, not religion. We walk according to our relationship with God, not dotting I's and crossing T's from a religious pattern or a religious practice. God did not send Jesus to establish religion. He sent Jesus to restore relationship that we might become the very material of the house of God upon which he would build his church. Amen. Know that I'm praying for you people of God that you today will come to the place of understanding that it is the power and the presence of God in you, in me, in us that causes us to be the very body of Jesus in the earth. I thank the Lord for you. May this day be a day where you come to the full understanding. May the light bulb come on and you understand. I came into the outer court. I passed the mark of separation. I'm no longer in the dark place. But I can't stay in the outer court. I've come through the power of the cross that I might be judged. And I recognize that Jesus paid the price for my sin. I move on from the cross unto the, uh, the bowl that I might be cleansed through the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Ghost. But I can't stay in the outer court. I've got to move to the place where the divine nature of God dwells and that is in the holy place where the gold is represented and in the holy of holies where the ark dwells the very presence that which typifies Jesus I've got to press my way on into the presence of Jesus that I might have relationship and experience all there is to experience in him may this be your testimony may this be your story god bless you have an awesome sunday and know that we are praying for you this has been a production of the gmfc studios god bless you